You guys doing good? Who's thankful for coffee, man? Hey, man, he's like me. He's like, I was, uh, yeah. Uh, Carrie's like, right here, I got six kids. You know how that is, so yeah. Um, I stayed with, I had a wonderful time staying with Mike and Carolyn. Um, I don't know, Doug, what do you got? Are these energy drinks? No. Oh. The kids wiped us out all the water yesterday. Oh, I'm good. I'll, I have my coffee up here. That's why I was oh, highlighting. Yeah, and there's a bottle of water down there, so don't oh, worry yeah, about yeah. it. We're good. So I had the most wonderful time staying with uh, Mike and Carolyn, and, and we had breakfast together this morning, and the coffee ran out, and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I, I'd love to have another cup. And the next thing I know, I hear this, mm, like he's starting to grind coffee up, and I'm like, that's probably the sound of the choir in heaven, man. I bet it's what it sounds like when they start singing. I was like, that's music to my ears, but... Um, I love coming down here. I think you guys know that. I think we have such a reputation together. Some of you I've known longer than others. And, and so uh, some of you uh, I didn't get to see Friday or Saturday. So hi to those of you that I didn't get to see yet Friday or Saturday. I've been having a wonderful time uh, down here. Uh, Tim has put me to work this weekend. Um, so as soon as I leave here, I got to take uh, back Michaela and Rachel who'd come down with me. And, um, and I have to minister to my, the kids at my church tonight yet. So I did Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, this morning, and then I got to get home and, and minister to the kids back home. So if I don't <clears throat> have a chance to hug everybody, it's just because I'm on my way out and I'm hoping for a little bit of a nap before I have to do tonight. But my kids probably won't let that happen. My wife said, don't, as soon as you get home, there's going to be all over you. So um, I think this morning, I'm actually probably going to be a little bit short. Um, and I know you guys know this, the effectiveness of something is never in its length, although I probably need to hear that more than anybody else. So um, it's, never, it's never about the length of the worship that makes it effective or the length of the sermon. It's whether or not God is in it and God is on it, right? So um, I was driving here this morning and I, I was already hinting Friday night and Saturday night what I thought I was going to talk about this morning. I thought God was going to have me dig into uh, Exodus 19. There are places that the Lord's had me the last few weeks. And as I'm driving here, it is called Route 13, right? Yeah. Okay, you think all the times I've been down here, I would know. I still use the GPS to get here. I'm like, my wife is so much more of a better direction person than I. She is the GPS. So uh, Rachel and Michaela, they're not helping much. They're just hanging out in the car. So... Um, <laughs> But yeah, those teenagers, no, I'm kidding. Um, Michaela's not a teenager anymore. But um, so as I was driving here, I was probably 10 minutes out. I was coming from Mike and Carolyn's place. So it's about a 15 minute drive. And I'm 10 minutes out from here. And the Lord started speaking to me uh, on behalf of this church. And, and I know I've given you guys a lot of words over the years. Some that may have been accurate, true, some that may not have been, some of them already have come to pass, maybe some haven't. But um, what I wanna do today is actually almost read, I almost felt like I had to pull over. Some of you are gonna, I was taking notes while driving, I'm sorry, the Lord was talking, I just felt like I was doing my best to look up and, and, uh, and whatnot. I try not to do that because I ride motorcycles, I know how important it is that you know, you're paying attention to the road and everything else, but... Um, I do feel like the Lord has a word for this house that I hope helps you make sense of what's been happening as of late. Um, I know how much this, this church has been through, how much it's walked through, how much, you know, Tim has been open and honest with me over the years, um, how much Tim has confided in me, how much, you know, and I want you to know that about your pastor. He's not some rogue maniac. Like he's actually 
wanting to make sense of things, calling, asking for discernment, what do I, you know. So it's nice to have that relationship with people. It's really important. Kingdom relationships are exceedingly important, guys. They really, really are. Um, so I say all that because this is a family word. Now, some of you haven't been here quite as long as others. So some of you might be like, whoop, that's going over my head. I have no idea what that guy's talking about. Um, so hopefully Tim can make sense of that and, and kind of uh, decode it for you. Um, but I will say this before we get going, because I'm going to read this almost verbatim. I don't do that very often. You guys know how I don't have notes in front of me. I just typically get up and I just, whatever's in my heart. I don't pray to the Lord for a sermon. Jesus is the sermon. I like to be alone with him. And I just like whatever, you know, is on his heart. I just believe he shares it with me and, and we go. But it's always on my heart to be an encouragement to you guys. I'd like to give you guys some kind of insight, a pulse on what I think the Lord is up to and what he's doing. Because if we're not careful, we can be very discouraged, think we're doing something wrong when actually it's God that's doing something right. And it just depends on how we're looking at a thing. And, uh, and I think the Lord wants to maybe recalibrate our vision and give us open eyes to see and, um, and whatnot. So I think he's wanting to bring encouragement in a season where it might feel discouraging. Is that okay? Does that make sense? Are you guys awake this morning? Okay, I got less sleep than you. You're gonna have to do better than that, okay? So I've been working hard. You guys better be awake, all right? So um, I'm gonna read this almost verbatim uh, to you. And how about this? Okay, so there's a place in Corinthians where it says uh, that in the giving of prophetic words or prophecy, uh, let two or three speak and let the other prophets judge what's being said. Now, that means simply they need to be able and willing to separate the holy from the profane. They need to be able to see, is that inspired by the Lord or is that coming from flesh? It's determining the source of the word, okay? So if Pastor Tim has ever once said to you at any point, I consider you like a prophetic voice in the house, please, by all means, weigh what it is that I'm saying and let's see if this is genuinely from the Lord. Because if it's not, let's just throw it out, okay? Good? All right. So this is the first thing that I heard while I was driving, and I'm like, whoa, that felt kind of heavy, and I felt like I needed to stop, and as I'm turning on Cannon Road, I'm like, should I pull in? Whatever that thing is there at the corner, there's like a building, parking lot, Cannon, Route 13. I almost had to pull in there, but I didn't. I pulled in the parking lot. I kept trying to take notes, and then all of a sudden, Rachel's standing outside my window, scared me half to death, and then I'm over here still trying to take notes, and I'm like, people keep coming up and talking to me. But so this is the first thing I heard, and I'm going to give you guys a little bit of uh, scriptural background for it. Now, you can take this any way you want, okay? So you can take that as, okay, so this is what I heard. It's time to stop mourning Saul, Okay? Take that however you want. You can take that to mean it's time to stop mourning what you thought this last year was going to be, what you wanted to see happen, what you thought was going to happen, the way you thought it was going to be in the church or in the world or the people that are no longer on the journey with you, etc. Take that however it is that you want. I just believe it's going to land as it needs to land. All right? Now, it's time to start, stop mourning Saul. What does that mean? Well, scripturally speaking, Israel had this unique habit of every time God wanted to be what he wanted to be for them, they had this unique way of rejecting that and going and choosing their own way. So they're in a season and a time where they no longer want God to be king. They cried out and asked for a man. They wanted to be like other nations. So the Lord told the prophet Samuel, give them what they want, but it comes with consequences. If you want man to lead you, it's gonna have its consequences. 
So they, he told them, this is what it's gonna be, this is what it's gonna be like, and this is what it's gonna mean. And the anointing came on a man that stood head and shoulders above everyone else, but he had one problem. He feared people more than he feared the Lord, okay? So the Lord is always going to reject the fear of man, but he's always going to anoint the fear of the Lord, okay? All right. So it says in 1 Samuel 16, 1, this is where this coming from, this is where it comes from. Now, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have selected a king for myself. So there's something or someone God is looking for in this hour. A group of people God is looking for in this hour that will not bow down to the pressure of the world and the norms and the things that are being set and established, but are willing to bow down to him. What made David a king after God's own heart? Well, Acts 13 gives us insight. It says that he was willing and wanting to do all that the Lord called him to do, all the will of the Lord. It's not just those that hunger and thirst to see him, that's important. Those that wanna have a greater intimacy with him, that's important. Those that long to know him, absolutely. But there's something about a person that says, whatever you ask, that will I do. That is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is obedience to God and not just conformity to people, okay? So how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over all Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite for I have selected a king for myself among his sons. This is what the Lord had me write down. Don't look back at what I've rejected. Look ahead to what I'm anointing. God is selecting a people right now who will seek him, who long for him, who fear him, who will do his will and he will anoint these people with the Holy Spirit. That's what we were talking about last night. We were saying there is, there's something in the air right now where, where it seems like God is upping the ante. What's being demanded is at a greater level right now. And it's not time to compromise the standard. It's time to get on board with the standard that if we truly, genuinely love Jesus, whatever he's asking us to do is going to be our delight. There are certain things, guys, and this is where it's gonna get a little touchy. There are certain things and people that will not be in this next season and in this next phase because of the motive in their heart wasn't pure enough to be able to withhold what it is that's coming. See, if we're not careful, we look around and we sit and we consider loss rather than the fact that maybe we're getting better. And maybe what needs to go in order for the heart to be anointed is what's actually remaining. So God will sometimes have to remove from our life what needs to be removed. That's why he is the pruner. We abide in the vine. He prunes the things that need to be pruned. And sometimes, guys, even in a corporate setting, we, oh, I can't get into it. I'm not gonna go down that road. We, let me tell you this. You aren't the only church going through some stuff. You're just not. And the things that are impure are being removed so that what is pure remains because that's what gets anointed. Flesh doesn't get anointed, heart gets anointed. So if there's a need to be seen, if there's a need to be appreciated, if there's a need or a love for ministry over the love of God, like if there are those things, guys, God is getting to the nitty gritty. God's going beyond the surface and getting to the heart of the matter. 
And God is weighing the heart. He's weighing the motives of what drives us. And what made, what made David so special? He would say things like, search me and know me. See if there be any hurtful way in me. That was a guy that was concerned about whether or not his inner life was pleasing to the Lord. This is the same guy who said in Psalm 86, unite my heart to fear your name. Like he didn't want there to be division. He didn't want there to be a motive that was displeasing or self-centered in any way. This is the same guy who said, one thing I ask and that will I seek. The same guy that when he was confronted with sin, guys, when he is writing Psalm 51, and he's saying like, my bones are broken, he's not writing that with ink, he's writing that with groanings and tears. He is a man broken over what he did. That's a man after God's own heart. That when what's exposed as being displeasing and you're confronted with it and you break, that's called godly sorrow that produces repentance. And that repentance, according to 2 Corinthians 8, produces zeal for every good thing and, and the wanting to right wrongs in life. Sometimes we're just sorry because we got caught. Sometimes we're just sorry because it's still about us. But then there's a level of grief where we're so sorry for how it has affected other people. You know what I look for first in life? Even if the person isn't the one who caused the wrong, I'm always impressed by the one who can say I'm sorry first. That's humility. Not the one who gets defensive, not the one who has an answer for everything, but the one who's slow to speak. The one who knows when it's time to bite their lip. The one who doesn't have a need to be hurt. The one who doesn't have to defend. The one who's just broken over the situation, not because of how it affects them, because of how it affects everybody else and how it affects the heart of the Lord. That's godly sorrow. But Samuel said in 1 Samuel 16, 2, how can I go? So Samuel's a little freaked out. He's worried that Saul is going to hear that you've been rejected. Now Samuel's on mission to anoint the next king. And his concern is, what if Saul finds out? What's he going to do to me? So he says, but Samuel said, how can I go? I felt like the Lord said, don't worry about what people are going to think or what they are going to say about you right now. It's time to move on. It's time to get ready for what's ahead. Acts 13.22 says, after he had removed him, after God had removed Saul, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. There are times, guys, when things need to be removed so that the will of God may be accomplished. Now, let me give you some more insight about who this David was. So you have the prophet show up at Jesse's house. Do you know there is no one else in the Bible whose name is in a title given to the Messiah? Jesus, the son of David. There's something about this guy. He was promised that there would be a ruler sitting on his throne perpetually. There, were, there are messianic psalms that David wrote in the psalms that were pointing to the reality of Jesus, his reign, his lordship. So here's the deal. You have a prophet show up. The prophet comes to town. It'd be a cool title for a book or a chapter in a book. It seems like it's the okay corral. The prophet shows up, and what's the first thing they ask him? Is everything okay? 
because they're concerned that they did something wrong and judgment's about to be pronounced. And he says, nope, everything's fine. Peace be with you. And he comes to Jesse's house because the Lord said, I will show you who I'm going to anoint to be king next. So you have, and it's a test that this man has to pass. One by one, David's brothers come out before him. In case you didn't know, David had seven older brothers that comes out. The first one comes out and by physical appearance, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Surely this is the guy. I think his name was Eliab. Is that right, Tim? Was it Eliab? So he comes out and Samuel thinks to himself in his heart, this is the guy. And God says, nope, you're looking at it wrong. You're weighing it by the outward appearance. You're seeing as man sees, but I look upon the heart, okay? Now this tells me this. One by one then, the other comes out. Spirit says, no, next one, no, next one, no, next one, on and on, no. Finally, it seems like they've all come. And Samuel says, is there not anyone else? Don't you love that? You know what that tells me? Samuel didn't compromise. He could have said, well, maybe I missed it. Maybe it really was this guy, but he still held on to what it is that God told him to do. So he asks, not did I miss it? And was it one of these guys I didn't hear right? Is there still no one else? Well, there is the youngest. He's in the field, the forgotten one. And the Bible calls him ruddy and handsome. And I guess ruddy means red hair or something like that. I looked it up one time. And now David comes and Samuel says, the Holy Spirit says to Samuel, it's him. He anoints him. I think you guys know the story. Here's what the Lord said to me one time. There was something, why? Because he's a man after God's own heart. I don't look at the outside appearance. I look upon the, so that tells me there was something in the heart of David's seven brothers the spirit couldn't work with but he could in David's heart. That's what the Lord is after right now. To the extent that God is willing to clean house in order to get to what matters most, because you guys notice the heart is more than the organ or the muscle that beats in your chest. It's the entirety of your being. Guard your heart above everything else for out of it flow the issues of life. That means everything in your life comes out of your heart. Let the meditation of my mouth, or let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart. So your heart is the throne of what you gaze upon, what you think about, what you muse on, what you give yourself to, what you meditate on. It's the throne of your affections, your motivations, what drives you. It was more than just this muscle pumping blood here and there. It was the totality of who you were. They didn't, the Jews didn't necessarily think that thoughts came from here. They came from in here, in the inside of the individual. If God has that, he has all of you, right? So if God can get to the heart of a people and a congregation, then he has the entire congregation. So it's time to start, stop mourning what you thought it was going to be or how you thought it was going to go. It's time to bless and anoint what I'm going to do. It's time to see the heart of what I'm going, or what I'm doing and what I'm after. I'm after nothing less than the heart. These are things I just quickly wrote down, had taken notes on during worship as I was hearing these things. In order for the anointing to flow, I have to remove what needs to be removed in order for me to anoint the heart that belongs to me. This is a time of great pruning for my people. This is a time of exposure and removal so that what's holy and pure may be anointed by my presence. 
Okay, I am gonna tell you the story because I felt a grace on this to do it. We just went through a situation recently at our church where I just told Carolyn about this this morning and Garrett and Mike. Sometimes we have a habit because of need, we compromise standard. We have to get better at vetting people and trusting our gut and saying something doesn't feel right before we start fast-tracking and promoting people. Now, I'm not saying some of the people that do what they do are consciously aware of it. I think some people are deeply wounded and they're driven by that need in their life and they think certain things are gonna satisfy and fill that hole. And then when they're put in certain positions, what you didn't necessarily see, but you had a gut impression about, once they're in that position, the the stress of that position reveals what was really in them, what was motivating them. So we had a situation recently at the church where I would go to the senior pastor and say, something doesn't feel right about that individual. And my heart, I was already concerned because we were fast-tracking that individual and putting them in positions that I thought they probably weren't ready for. Now, is this about me being proud and arrogant? No, no, it's not about that. There were other people that had the same impressions. Do you know what the challenge is? How do you correct what you have a feeling about? Right? It's one thing to be like, hey, I think they love this more than they love the Lord, but you don't have a whole lot of evidence for it yet. So you're just like, what do you do with that? But the challenge is this person kept getting fast-tracked and I knew in my heart the moment that it maybe would come to be addressed and to have to actually, now, rather than addressing in the moment the little things that should have been addressed, now there's a case file against this individual and you bring it to them, now they're sucker punched, they didn't see it coming. And now they're left wondering what, that caught me off guard and that was way out of left field. Now, this particular individual has a history of, see, this is what leadership does to me. Churches treat me like this all the time. So rather than actually looking at themselves and wondering, is there something that I'm possibly doing wrong that I have a history of this? It's everybody else's fault but their own. So what was in that individual was a love for ministry was a need to be seen. And I am telling you, they, were, they are anointed to do what they feel called to do, but the time's not right. So we had to go and address that with that individual and we got exactly what I thought we were going to get. That individual completely freaked, unfriended everybody on Facebook, blocked everybody on Facebook. The challenge is they have children and those children are still connected to some of the children at our church. And now you have But thankfully, the person didn't have the realm of influence that could have happened so that there's not that much fallout. But if you're not careful, see, I'm telling you, if you're not careful, you will, in the name of I need volunteers, I need this position filled, you will compromise the standard because of it, and you can't. It is time to guard what we're called to guard and be a steward of. It's time to guard the holy presence of the Lord. And if those people, you'll find out really quick. We have to get, guys, I don't know what the standard should be. We're trying to figure that out as a church. Maybe one of the good ones is you got to attend there for at least a year or more. Maybe one of them ought to be, do you tithe and give? Maybe one ought to be, do you volunteer on a regular basis? Are you willing to start at the bottom? Because I'll tell you this, if I even remotely sense you have a love and a need to be on the stage, that is the guarantee I'm not letting you on the stage. Absolutely not. Because I'd rather protect you and protect the sanctity of what this represents. This is what I'm saying. God is after purity in this hour 
and he's wanting us to get better at handling and guarding the anointing and confrontation and loving people well. What they do is solely up to them, but I knew now we became part of the story. Now we're another check in the box in their story. But yeah, we had one, one, one glimmer, one glimmer of hope when the husband said, there must be something we're doing wrong. This keeps happening to us. I thought to myself, yes, that's humility. Weeks later, phone call. Because we, we had everything set up. The church was gonna pay for them to do counseling with me. The church was offering all these things. They called the next week. We're, we don't need counseling. You guys need counseling. We don't want it. And I thought to myself, there it is again. The pride wall went back up and now they're gone. And that stinks for the kids. And I am getting tired of the church treating its, itself in the way the world doesn't even treat itself. And you know what I keep thinking to myself? I go to the same public pool this summer. What am I going to do when I see him? And we let it get awkward. Yep. And you know what some of it is? It's because we're learning, we're growing, never should have put that person in that position and should have addressed the things we saw when they were happening in the moment. Because when you don't, when you finally go to him and you say, look, not just me, but we all have this case file of weirdness, it's too much for them to handle. And then we have to apologize for our lack of not doing it right. Because it says, make peace with all people, right? Sometimes you're just hoping it's all gonna work out, right? Sometimes you're just like, hey, it'll just blow over and stuff. And it's like, no, if you genuinely love them, you gotta go to them and deal with it. But here's what I'm saying. There are times, guys, where that stuff needs to be dealt with and removed because that is an impure thing. Now, I wish they were, don't get me wrong, I wish they were still a part of our fellowship. My heart is breaking, but they're gone. They're gone. But there are times right now in this season where the Lord is saying anything that is impure in its origin and its motivation needs to step down because something of great value and worth is coming and we need to be able to shoulder it well. Are you with me? Okay. All right. The Lord says, I will always choose heart over appearance, sincerity over strength, weakness over effort, humility over pride. God is not anointing what was going to be. He's anointing what's going to be. He's anointing the heart that belongs completely to him. That's what it means to be a man after God's own heart. It means to be one, one. The most important number in this hour is one. One in focus, one in devotion, one in affection. I already quoted this, but I'll say it again. It was David who prayed, teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. He was also the same one in Psalm 27 where he said, one thing I ask, one thing that will I seek. That's, that's what it means to be pure in heart right now. It means to be about one thing and one thing alone. But I'm telling you in this hour, there we, have, we have to guard what we've been entrusted we have to, if we genuinely want to be people that host the presence of God well, then we have to guard it. We have to watch out for it. We cannot compromise the standard that God is calling us into right now. We cannot allow the need and the pressure of need determine how we're going to respond, where we're going to put people and everything else. Look, because I'll be the first to tell you we could have handled things differently, all right? 
we have to get better at trusting the discernment of the people in our life. We also have to get better at looking and seeing like, okay, when somebody's acting weird, not letting them get away with it and going up to them saying, are you doing all right right now? Are you okay? Because there are those people that will sometimes, they just can be weird. They just won't say anything. It's like you're being punished and it's like you just feel this manipulation and they're controlling you by withholding like conversation. And I've been around it, man. And sometimes it wants to play on old feelings of rejection and all those old familiar things come back to you. And the only way you're gonna get better at dealing with those feelings is you've gotta confront that stuff and say, hey, can I tell you something? You're acting a bit strange. Why aren't you saying something? Why aren't you talking? And you know what? Either that's gonna send them running, which if that's what they need to do, that's what they need to do, or it's gonna cause them to get real and say, you know what? You're right, I'm acting like a weirdo. Can you help me out? But at least that shows me you're not ready for what it is you think you're called to do yet. But we'll walk with you to get you there. But I am done promoting people before it's their time. That will destroy what it is that God is wanting to do. Make sense? Okay. It's time to stop grieving Saul. Take that however it is that you want. God is not going to anoint and is no longer anointing the way you thought it was going to go here. But he will anoint what it is that he is purifying in our life individually and corporately, and we have to get better at guarding it. Is that okay? Because that's all I got. Is that okay? Amen. All right, come on, Jesus. All right, Father, we thank you. Let me pray for you guys quick. And this is not because I feel like I need to get out of here. I just didn't think I needed to go long. All right, Father, we thank you in in Jesus' name for this church, for what you're doing, for raising the bar, for upping the ante, for raising the standard. Father, we thank you for everything that you're calling us into, and it's our joy out of our love for you to guard, to protect what it is you've entrusted us with, to say yes to you with every fiber of our being, to offer the totality of who we are, our very heart to you, And I pray that you'd give us the attitude of David. I pray that you'd give us the attitude of our Lord and Savior. I pray that you'd look upon us. And if there be any hurtful way in us, Lord, let the conviction of the Holy Spirit be upon us. But let us at the same time, guys, not go looking for what's not there. Don't get paranoid and freaked out. So God, we ask you to father us in every area of our life. And if there'd be an impure motive, if there'd be a crooked way, or anything that's perverse that doesn't belong there, we trust that you will show us. In the meantime, we wanna run hard after you. Say yes to you with every fiber of our being. And Jesus, I pray that your anointing would rest upon Gateway Fellowship, that we would learn from every one of our mistakes and get better as a result. Lord, that we wouldn't look back and grieve what was, but that we would look forward, because that is not the kingdom, but that we would look forward to what it is that's coming and what you're doing right now. Help us to learn from our mistakes so we might steward what's coming. Help us to get better at what we need to get better at. Help us to get better at relationships. Help us to overcome the fear of man. Help us to overcome our fears of rejection, our fears of failure. And Lord, I pray for your empowerment in that area and help us to take ownership for where we need to take ownership, for saying sorry where we need to say sorry. Help us to be at peace at all times with all people. And if they reject our peace, then Lord, help us not to take it personal. Help us to not live offended, but help us to look to you 
to lay every, like, like Pastor Tim said earlier, help us to take every one of our cares and put them on you because you care for us. So Jesus, we bless those. Come on, I'm gonna, this, we bless those whom we have hurt. We pray for those who may have taken our intentions and motives the wrong way. And I pray that your love would chase them down. I pray that they wouldn't be grieved or hurt over what it is we've done or how we have failed them or what it is that we didn't do right. And we come before you and say, we're sorry and help us to learn from it and to be more like you and to address in the moment what needs to be addressed. Let your love overwhelm us in such a way that we can't help out of love to go to those people and seek reconciliation. So Jesus, forgive us for the areas where we've done the wounding. And Lord, we tell you that the areas where we have been wounded, Father, we forgive those who've done the wounding. And we bless and choose not to curse. Forgive us for our gossip. Forgive us for our slander. Forgive us for our unwholesome talk in any way. Help us to get better at going to the individual rather than behind their back. Help us to apply what it is Jesus taught us when he said, if you know of someone that's caught in a trespass, go to them first. Help us to get better at loving your people. Thank you for this, this home, this house, my friends that I've known now for the last 10 years. Thank you for the opportunity to journey with them that we might be an encouragement to one another. We want our heart to be like David. And we wanna bring you as much honor and glory as we possibly can. We love you, we bless you, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. That's all I got, gang.